Thank you, Jesse, worship team, uh, very, very much. And um, again, I know, I know Jesse's been up since very, very early this morning. And uh, so thank you for an uh, outstanding job, guys, very much. <clears throat> uh, we'll take your Bibles uh, this morning, and uh, we'll be looking in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, in, the, the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 4, and uh, the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4 as well. Uh, how many of you... <laughs> How many have ever had to deal with a home warranty company? A home warranty company. Ah, I see those hands out there. Well, I, I, I have an old friend who, who claimed that his home warranty company had saved him thousands and thousands of dollars over the years. And, and so he finally, you know, our house was, was about 13 years old at this point. And I thought, you know, it's probably getting to that time where, you know, things may start to crack up. So, so I... I, I I took the risk, and, and I, I got a home warranty company. <clears throat> well, <laughs> for the last uh, two and a half weeks or so, uh, we, I've been dealing with them, trying to get them to do what they said they would do when we took out this warranty and fix our upstairs air conditioning. And it, I won't go into all the details. It has been an absolute zoo, and, and it has caused me to live in a state of continued anger for much longer periods of time than I would ever care to do so. <laughs> That's the downside. The upside is that my experience in dealing with them is what motivated me to teach on this topic today of anger, because <laughs> I need it <laughs> badly. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you are angry this morning? Now, not with uh, some customer service somewhere, but how many of you are angry this morning with someone? <clears throat> it's okay. You can be honest with me. It's just between me and you and a few hundred other people, you know, <laughs> this morning. Angry with someone. <clears throat> Who are you mad at? May have to think about it for a moment, but you probably not have to think about it for very long before some of that anger starts bubbling up, uh, the one person, just one person with whom you're angry with. Well, th there's a difference in the anger that we experience with a home warranty company, with customer service, and the anger that we experience with a person. Is that not right? Relational anger. Relationally, customer service anger dissipates over a period of time. It's not something you carry around with you for very long, but relational anger, not so much. I mean, that tends to hang on and hang on and hang on. We tend to think of it, <clears throat> again, as something that shouldn't hang on, but yet it does. Now, here's another question. This is more kind of for the fun of it. Uh, how many of you think men have a, a problem with anger more than women have a problem with anger? I see those hands out there. And, uh, um, or how many think it's about the, how many think it's more men? How many think it's more women? How many think it's about the same? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You've been reading the psychology magazines, right? <laughs> Psychologists tell us that it's actually about the same. But there is a difference in the way typically it is expressed. Men typically express their anger more aggressively, while women tend to express their anger more passive-aggressively. Not 100%, but typically that's the way it is. And, and the reason they say, science tells us that, that the reason men are more aggressive with their anger, science tells us that the part of the brain that modulates aggression is smaller in men's brains than women's brains. 
And ladies, I know you've suspected for quite some time that men's brains were smaller than women's brains, right? No, no doubt about that. Actually, it's just that part of the brain, okay? Well, whether we're talking about aggressive or passive-aggressive anger, the fact is that in our nation right now, there is a lot, a lot of anger. A lot of anger. I mean, it turns up everywhere in society from whether it's traffic or grocery stores or neighborhoods or restaurants, airplanes, and worst of all, in mass shootings. I, a friend of mine was traveling in Europe back in May, and, and, and multiple times people asked him the question, what is wrong with Americans? What is wrong with America? Why are Americans shooting each other like this? It's crazy. Lots and lots of anger. So I ask you the question this morning, again, who are you angry with? Who are you angry with? You know, there's lots of books out there that have been written to help with anger, but you won't find a better book to look at than God's book, the Word of God. So let's do that. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Paul writes, be angry. And yet do not sin, do not let sun, the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Be angry. Now that's, that's a little bit unexpected, is it not? So, so why is it okay to be angry? It's because anger is a God-given emotion. God-given. It really is possible to be angry and not sin. In fact, over 600 times in the Word of God, you find God the Father or God the Son expressing anger. And when you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus expressing anger over injustice, anger over the abuse of people. And then there's that most famous account of where he, 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 he uh, 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 turns the money changers' tables over in the temple. That kind of anger is most often described as righteous anger, righteous anger. You see, there are things that we as Christians should be angry about, and it's often anger that ends up motivating us to get up off our duffs and do something about it, right? Anger. It's also a, a God-given protective emotion. As a husband and father, I, I, I found myself very easily getting angry when I, I feel like some uh, part, one of our family members or any of our family members are, are threatened with uh, either treated unfairly, mistreated in some way, or certainly threat, threatened uh, with, with some kind of danger of some kind. I, I mean, I, I, I get angry. And actually what anger does is it, it stimulates a physiological change in you, in your body that prepares you to fight or defend. It is a God-given emotion, and it has a good purpose in that regard. But what about the anger you feel when someone personally hurts you? Unjust criticism, somebody steals your idea at work, you're betrayed by someone. I mean, those kinds of hurts make you angry for certain. But when someone you deeply care about hurts you, you deeply care about, that's very painful, to which anger is just a natural emotional response. Now, the Apostle Paul was not a psychologist, and yet he was certainly promoting God psychology here in Ephesians 4. He says, he says go ahead, feel angry. It's okay to feel anger. 
Don't be this, you know, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be angry, so I'm just going to stuff it. <laughs> he says, no, don't stuff it. It's okay to feel angry. It's natural. Hurt causes anger. It's not a sin to feel the emotion of anger. But Paul then qualifies it by adding this command, and yet do not sin. In other words, it's okay to feel angry, but it is not okay to express your anger in ways which would harm someone else or yourself, for that matter. It can be very destructive when anger is expressed in sinful ways. Perhaps the most famous example of that in the history of mankind is the story that you find, again, in the very first book of the Bible about two brothers named Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, there has been lots and lots of speculation over the years as to, as to why God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. But I, I think perhaps one of the best clues as to why that was the case, it's a very subtle one that you find there in verse 3, where again it says, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Now, listen to that in contrast to the description of Abel's offering. Again, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Then verse 4, Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Notice, again, he brought the best of the firstborn lambs, not just any born lambs, but the firstborn lambs. It doesn't say that Abel just simply brought one of his flock as a gift to the Lord, but rather, it says again, he brought the very best. In other words, the impression that we get of Cain's offering is that, you know, while it, as he was on his way out the door, he just grabbed some of his crops to take as an offering. But in Abel's situation, in contrast, he, Abel took the time to determine among his firstborn lambs, so it narrowed it down there, firstborn lambs, which one, one was the absolute best among those firstborn. And this is actually a very important giving principle, that when you give to God, we should give him our best. We should not just give him what's left over at the end of the month and after we pay all the bills and then we get that new TV that we've been wanting, but we should give him first our best. Well, so Cain's offering was rejected. Abel's was accepted. And again, that made Cain very, very angry. Verse 6. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? In other words, why do you, are, are you so hurt? What God wants to do is he wants Cain to understand the reason for his anger here so that God can teach him in the midst of this. Verse 7, God said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. 
God is saying, if you will accept what I'm trying to teach you in, in regard to the, the purpose and, and the nature of offerings, then, then this is something that will never be a source of anger for you ever again, if you just learn this. But, verse, the last part of verse 7, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Again, remember, anger in and of itself is not a sin. Where we get into trouble is when we do wrong things in response to our anger. Whenever you get angry, sin is always crouching at the door. So it is your response to the anger that determines whether you open that door or not. Well, tragically, Cain allowed his anger to control his response, and he opened wide that door to sin. Verse 8, well, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Let's go back to that counsel from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, verse 26, last part. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Well, the general principle here is, is that we should develop a habit of dealing with our anger in a very timely manner. In a timely manner. The Apostle Paul, do not let the sun go down. He, Paul is speaking figuratively to say we need to deal with our anger as soon as possible. Literally, if possible, to deal with it before the sun goes down. Unless, of course, you're living in that part of Alaska where the sun never goes down for about three months of the year, and you find yourself saying, well, I've got three more months before I can take care of it. <laughs> the, the point is very clear here. Don't let unresolved anger continue to hang on in your life. Eventually, it is going to cause you to sin, to cause harm to others, to cause harm to yourself, to say or do things you wish later you could unsay or undo. Well, that was Cain's first big mistake. He failed to deal with his anger immediately. I mean, you get the clear impression that Cain went home and he just stewed over it. He molded it over and over and over and over again. And instead of responding to God's warning, he, in subduing and mastering his anger, he opened the door to sin. He just nursed it. He, he kept feeding it. He allowed it to consume him to the point that he killed his brother. Deal with your anger as soon as possible. Well, then Paul gives us this warning in verse 27. And do not give the devil an opportunity. You see, when Cain rejected God's warning. When he rejected that warning, when he refused to resolve his anger, he gave the devil a foothold in his life. He just opened the door. And it's the same with us. When we fail to resolve our anger, we give the devil a foothold in our lives, which can turn into a stronghold in our lives. I mean, it's like, you know, remember the old the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, it's, it's like, well, come on in and stay a while. You know, wreak as much havoc in my life as you can, as you have time to do so. Okay. You say, all right, I get it, I get it. It's a problem. But what do I do about it? How can I deal with this? What do I, how do I deal with anger? From a practical standpoint, 
How do you deal with it as soon as possible so as not to give the devil a foothold in your life? Well, let me be very quick to say <laughs> that what I'm about to describe is not easy to do. It takes work. It takes practice. You may even need a trained Christian counselor to help you out. But the Apostle Paul gives us an answer just a couple of verses later in Ephesians 4. In verse 32, he says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. You see, when you get angry with someone, you have an immediate choice to make. You can choose to indulge that anger and open the door to sin in your life. Or you can immediately choose to release it and forgive that person. Now, what we're talking about here is an attitude. It's a mindset of forgiveness where you have to decide in advance what you're going to do. You cannot wait until you get angry to decide. You have to decide now that when you get angry with someone, you're going to let that anger be an immediate trigger to forgive. Where your first go-to when you get angry is forgiveness. Remember I said it was not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And I wish it was. <laughs> Notice the verse says, forgiving each other. What's the verb tense there? It's what's called the present active. It, it describes an ongoing, continuous action of forgiveness. In other words, he's saying keep on forgiving each other. You forgive them now and you forgive them in the future. How, how I wish that forgiveness was a one-time event, but it is not. A one-time event where you just simply say to yourself, I forgive them and it's all done. And, and maybe so when it comes to the small stuff. You know, you know you, you, your spouse forgets to take out the garbage and you get mad about it. And, you know, that, that kind of thing just, you know, quickly goes away. They get the anger about that, the, the small stuff. But the big stuff, the big stuff, that's where forgiveness has to be a continuous action. Because it's so easy to keep getting angry about it again and again and again that the Bible says we must continuously forgive. You say, continuously, so how many times is that exactly? <laughs> well, you may remember in Matthew chapter 18, the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Peter actually asked the Lord Jesus that very question. He asked him, he said in Matthew 18, Lord, when my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times, Peter asked. Now, Peter thought he was being very magnanimous at that point because the tradition in that day taught by the rabbis was that three times was sufficient. You know, and, and then no more forgiveness after that. Three times. So the apostle Peter thought he was being very magnanimous. He, he doubled it and added one for good measure. But what did Jesus answer? No, Peter, not seven times but 70 times seven. <laughs> now, 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 did Jesus literally mean 140 times? No, no, not at all. He, he, he's meaning as many times as is needed. 
Wow. So how do you pull that off? The answer is in that last part of chapter 4 in Ephesians verse 32. Forgiving each other continuously. How? Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We keep on forgiving others by remembering just how much God in Christ has forgiven us. And how did God forgive you? (laughs) Paul explains that back in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. In other words, I, I am a forgiven person because of what Christ did for me when he shed his blood for me upon the cross. Because of Christ, because of his sacrifice for me, I now live in a state of continual forgiveness. My sins in the past have been forgiven. My sins in the present have been forgiven. My sins in the future will be forgiven because of what he did for me upon the cross. All forgiven in Jesus Christ. So if you are going to forgive others as in Christ God forgave you, this is what it means. Just as you live in a state of continual forgiveness in the mind and heart of God, you have to allow those who have hurt you, who have deeply angered you, to also live in a state of continual forgiveness in your mind and heart. So, why don't we just practice that for a moment? (laughs) Okay? Practice. Like right now. (laughs) When I asked you earlier, who are you angry with, who came to mind? Who was it that came to mind? Who you're angry with right now? Think of just one person. And as you do so, I suspect that maybe some of those feelings of anger might be bubbling up right now. (laughs) Okay, so so what are you going to do with that anger? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to indulge it? And spend time nursing it, spend time the next couple of minutes stewing in it? Or are you going to forgive them? Are you going to forgive them just as God in Christ has forgiven you? So, do this. Take the image of that person that came to mind and just set it over to the side for a moment, okay? Set it over to the side. And now... Get a picture in your mind of Jesus Christ as he suffers upon the cross for you. And as you do, remind yourself that he did that for you, for your forgiveness. You didn't deserve for him to do that. He just did that by grace. You know, something I've said many times in the past that I always have to remind myself of How can I possibly refuse to give to someone else? How can I possibly withhold from someone else what God in Christ has so freely given to me? Okay, now, remind yourself that Jesus also died on the cross for that person you're angry with. Now, he or she didn't deserve that either. And by the way, 
They don't deserve your forgiveness. You choose to forgive them as an act of grace because it is by grace that you have been forgiven. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me for a moment. And pray this prayer with me. Lord, thank you for forgiving me when I did not deserve to be forgiven. And Lord, I want to say to you that even though I don't feel like he or she deserves my forgiveness, I choose by grace to forgive them. I forgive them. And as I do, I release all my anger toward them to you. And Lord, I ask that from this moment forward, every time I feel a twinge of anger toward them again, that it would immediately trigger forgiveness. Trigger that image of Christ upon the cross as I remember how much you have forgiven me. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.